Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dog, Lucy. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs whose work is inspired by their dogs. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. On this episode, you'll learn how to find the perfect dog for you from a responsible rescue or breeder. We'll talk about the challenges of starting your own business and the importance of having a mentor. And stick around until the end for tips on finding fashionable dog walking clothes. Two years ago, Marilyn left her career at the Bloomingdale's buying office to start Paw Pointer after having a difficult time in her own search for a dog. Though she still enjoys keeping up with the latest fashion trends, she's now focused full-time on helping others navigate the process of finding their new best friend without supporting puppy mills and cruel breeding practices. With the help of her three-year-old Brussels Griffin and Perpetual Employee of the Month, Bowser, she's built Paw Pointer from the ground up and is excited to see it make a difference in how we go about finding our next pet. Hey, Marilyn. Hi, Tori. That's an Thanks awesome, for having me. That's an awesome bio, and I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I, um, I'm really honored to be here, and um, I got a chance to listen to some of your other podcasts, and everybody that's been on it so far has just been so interesting and inspiring, so um, I'm really excited to be included in that. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm just delighted to be shining a light on so many awesome dog moms who are doing amazing things in their work because we need to stick together. Yeah, for sure. Totally yeah. agree. So um, Paw Pointer is a really awesome website that you've been working on very hard for several years. Um, <laughs> and, and it looks amazing. So tell us um, a little bit more about it and how you really came up with it and, and got started. Yeah, so um, it really came out of my own search process for a dog um, a few years ago, maybe even more than that at this point. Um, while I was still at Bloomingdale's, I decided to get a dog uh, with my husband. And so we went about it kind of the way that I think most people research any big decision. We went online and we just started kind of looking around, trying to figure out what breed we want um, and kind of where to go. And found a lot of listing websites. The AKC has a pretty robust website. Um, and we found this breeder that we thought was great. We like spoke to her on the phone. Everything just seemed normal, like what you would expect. Um, so we made an appointment to go see her. And then before we went out to visit her, we were doing more research specifically on her. And I found this like consumer report site with all of these like really horrific reviews oh, wow. um, and things that like, you know, people ended up with really sick dogs, like within weeks, um, they'd have tremendous vet bills. And in some cases they had passed away. So like really horrific things. And so I was like, from that point, really like, obviously I'm not, there's something that I'm missing here. Like I need to take a step back, kind of figure out what, what, what really a good search looks like. And a coworker um, at Bloomingdale's recommended that I go to AKC's Meet the Breeds event, which I don't know if you've ever been there, um, but there is, they do it now in conjunction with the Westminster every year. And it's this like giant convention style event where they invite like all these breed representatives and literally every single breed in the AKC has a booth and there are breeders there, there are dog lovers there and you can get to walk around and like ask people about different dogs and interact with them and like just learn like it's a dream day. Like it's so much fun. If you're in New York in February, you have to go. Um, 
but we were putting there. that on my calendar right now. For sure, February. For sure. February. It's literally like the weekend before Westminster starts and it's at the same place, um, in the piers. So we went and that's where we met and found Brussels Griffon table. Um, and I met my breeder there and she, it was like night and day different from what I experienced online. Um, she was super knowledgeable. She kind of, um, explained to us about the Brussels Griffon, what makes them different, unique and special. And I just I fell in love with them. Um, and from there, we, you know, did phone calls. We got on our wait list. We were invited to come meet the dogs, um, actually before the litter was born and then after. And it was just like the right process, like everything just checked off and it felt great. And that was kind of like my aha moment of like, why is there not something that embodies this spirit online? There are other sites, but nothing that really captures that sort of transparency, that education piece and that feeling of, um, you know, just safety, I guess, and, and that you're kind of going about it the right way. So I took basically what I learned from her um, in terms of modeling a good search process. And I put that into Paul Pointer um, and created this online community of breeders and rescues so that when you go to find your new best friend, um, you can do it and easily connect with these great people who just really love their dogs and love the breed and um, are doing it, you know, because, for the love of the dog. And, and um, yeah, you can feel good about it. So that's, that's the genesis of it, and um, to, I'm excited to watch it grow and continue to evolve. I think it's so interesting how you've combined rescue and breeders. Um, you know, when, when people are thinking about rescue or, or going to a breeder, the, yeah. the important part is that we're not supporting puppy mills. Um, Correct. And I think sometimes people, you know, lump all breeders into one category, but mm -hmm. there are some really responsible people who are really dedicated to, um, you know, their, their breeds. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Um, I it, it pains me to have to talk about it and talk about them as two separate entities because um, there are a lot of breeders who are really, really heavily involved with rescue too and are kind of leading the fight on that. And, um, you know, like you said, they're, not all breeders are created equal. Obviously, there are people that are not involved with it, but everyone that I work with is super involved with both, both sides of it. And I think something that's interesting for people um, to hear, at least when I talk about it, people are usually surprised by this, but if you go to both the ASPCA website and the Humane Society website, they have guidelines there on how to be a responsible breeder. And the Humane Society even goes so far as to say, we recognize that reputable breeders are a big part in fighting puppy mills. Um, so it's not one or the other. I think dog lovers in general, we're a one big happy community. And I think, you know, it's better to bring us all together than kind of divide us. I completely agree. And I, and I love that you do that. I think everyone knows that, um, that I got Lucy from a breeder. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I support animal rescue and I support the end to puppy mills and totally. I think you can do both and you do a really great job of that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so what have been some of the, the challenges of starting this business? So I think starting any business, as you know, is <laughs> tough. Um, there are lots of things that's come from starting a business from scratch. Um, but something that's really specific to Popwainer, um, specific to what I do, is I think that there's a lot of misinformation on both sides of the coin in terms of people who are buying a dog and breeders who are trying to vet new homes in terms of what the other person is going through in their dog search process. So a challenge that I have is kind of bridging that gap and providing color for each side um, in terms of like 
kind of helping people to be sympathetic um, for what the other person is going through. And I think, you know, like a good example of that would be like if somebody is um, ready to buy a dog and they've like, usually it's like after a very long period of thinking about it, you know, checking with their family or their partners or their friends or roommates or whatever, and thinking about how all the pieces of their life are going to fit together with the dog. Um, and so at the time that they're ready to get a dog, they're like, yes, like I'm ready. I want one tomorrow. I'm so excited. And, um, it is a really exciting time, but obviously you and I know getting a dog, especially if you're going through a breeder, doesn't actually happen that quickly. And a lot of times great breeders are only having like one or two litters per year. So you do sometimes have to wait and, um, you know, three, six months, maybe even a year. And I think, um, something that happens a lot is, and what I don't like to see is if people get discouraged by that and they're like, Oh, you know, I really wanted a dog, but now I have to wait. And, um, you know, there's this, they'll find something else and they'll say, there's this other website and, you know, they have a no puppy milk promise. I'm sure it's fine. And, you know, they'll ship me a dog tomorrow. And, you're kind of like, Oh, but if someone's going to ship you a dog tomorrow, like sight unseen and they're not vetting you and they're not asking you questions, like there's, that's a real red flag for me. Um, as you think that of, of all the breeders that I work with really good breeders, um, they want to vet you as much as you want to vet them. And Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're bringing dogs into this world and they really view it as their responsibility for the life of the dogs. They want to make sure that, um, you know, when they're placing a dog with somebody that that dog's going to have a really happy, you know, fulfilling life. And, um, if they're not betting you, how could they know that that's what their dogs are getting? And I think even worse in that situation is, you know, what happens if that dog that got shipped to you for whatever reason, this family's like, you know, what, what if we can't take care of a dog and then what, like, does it go to a friend or worse, a shelter? And I think that's where a lot of these issues that we're seeing with overpopulation start to happen in the Mm -hmm. shelters. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So explaining like, you know, even these decisions that you think aren't that harmless, you know, explaining kind of the larger ramifications of it, that's a big challenge for me, but it's one that I happily take on and I'm happy to do and continue, you know, to fight that fight. So. Yeah. Well, I think that what you're talking about is so interesting because as dog owners, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening are, are dog owners, you know, we think about our experience, but yeah. we don't often think about the breeder side and, yeah. and or the rescue side. Yeah. I think, you know, let's just put them in one category for this conversation sure, sure, sure. Um, of like of vetting the potential yeah. dog owners. Because yeah. um, I know the woman who I got Lucy from, it was intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was super judgmental and cautious. Yeah. And yeah. we were like, oh, don't upset her because uh, <laughs> she won't let you have a dog. Um, and that's because she they were her babies too. Right. And right. she loved them, every single puppy that came out of there. And it was very important to her that they went to good homes. Yep. Um, and, you know, she had some materials about, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, to call her immediately. Sure, for sure. Exactly. Like your first line of defense. And it's really important, as you say, like rescues are the same way. And I think people sometimes get discouraged if they've applied to rescues and they don't hear back or, you know, they get a less than favorable response. But obviously their first priority is making sure that their dogs are going to great homes and, you know, not coming back to them or or whatever. So it's, um, 
yeah, you have to think about it from both sides of the coin. I think it's a really important point for sure. Yeah. Well, great job on that. Um, <laughs> so, so I want to ask you, I think a lot of people have day jobs and dream of doing a dog related business on the side yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've pulled it off. So what, what was it like transitioning from a full-time job to doing your own business? Um, it was scary at first. It was really exciting. I think when you have that moment, that idea, you're like just so excited to get going that you're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, do everything. World and domination. Yeah. And <laughs> I love dogs. So the idea of just like having that be my primary job description, like knowing all things dogs was a very exciting thing for me. Um, I was really fortunate. Actually, my sister-in-law um, has also started her own business. And so she kind of led the way for me. And she's been a mentor for me, um, throughout this process, a very different kind of business, actually a costume jewelry business, but she, um, yeah, she really has been very supportive for me. And that's been great. Just someone who's kind of like in it with you. I think, um, for me, the biggest challenge going from Bloomingdale's to Paw Pointer was that I went from a job where I had, you know, I had an agenda, I had goals that I had to meet, I had targets I had to meet, I had, you know, my bosses and my vendors, and there was just sort of like this calendar of events that, you know, you kind of knew what was coming down the pike, and you could plan your work around it. And with Paw Pointer, just me, it's kind of like, okay, go. And you're like, okay, what do I do first? And it's easy to get excited and overwhelmed by like all the different things going on. So I had to learn how to um, really budget my time, not boil the ocean, as they say, and kind of like pick little goals and just sort of, you know, work up from there. Um, and then you have these little victories and you get excited and you keep moving on. And then before you know it, you're two years in and on a podcast and it's fun. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's great advice. So do you, cause I know, um, for me, I totally can relate, um, and, and starting my website and my other business doing social media consulting, like it is a lot just to be on you. Like you're accountable to yourself yep. and how do you measure success? And I started setting quarterly goals for myself. Yeah. So do you like implement any, anything like that? How do you, how do you, yeah, track? um, for sure. I think for me, the, for the first like biggest chunks are really having a site, a usable site, um, building up the network to the point where people who, if they were to come on my site, at least find something interesting and be, and the site would be helpful to them. Um, as it stands today, we have about like 40 or 50 breeders on the site and two rescues. So we have a long way to go in terms of building the community for sure. Um, but having kind of reaching that first milestone where like I could sort of open the site and be like, we're ready for business, um, was really exciting. And that, I was, I think I set bigger goals and then kind of work to them. So instead of quarterly, I'm like, this is my like target number. This is what I'm trying to hit in terms of traffic on the site. And that's my big um, push right now is just marketing and getting the word out about it. Um, so yeah, I think I'm probably like, I could probably be more organized about it, but I sort of set these big goals for myself. And then when I reach them, I get, you know, excited and kind of look to the next thing. Yeah. Of course. I think it's so important to set goals. Otherwise you're just working like on a hamster wheel and you have no idea where you're going. Right, right, right. I think, um, building out the community first so that there was a network on the site was like my number one priority for about a year. Um, and I would travel around all over the Northeast. Um, I went to a number of kennel clubs and did presentations um, for their members about the site. So it was really the sort of like kind of back end sales, like behind the scenes sales, just getting 
people on the site. And then from there, I call it sales. They're actually on the site for free. So it's not, it's just more networking, but, um, yeah, from there it was just, you know, once I got that and I felt like, okay, people come on, they can find what they want. There's a handful of options on there. Then that sort of like goal met for now, we'll come back to it later. I'll move on to something else. Right. Yeah. You want dog owners to come to a site where it functions and they can, they can find things. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not sort of like, Oh, there's three people on here. Like, hmm, <laughs> what is this? You know? So when a potential dog owner comes to your site or even before they get to your site and they're just thinking about getting a dog, what are yeah. some, what's some advice that you can give people when they are considering getting a new dog? Yeah. So that's actually something that I've been doing a lot on the side is talking to people and just kind of like being a resource for them. But, um, I think the number one thing, and not to sound like a broken record, is just to be patient with the process and kind of let it happen. But, you know, putting that aside, I think another really big thing before you get a dog and even before you decide on a breed um, or type of breed is to really be honest with yourself about um, your own lifestyle and kind of how you envision a dog fitting into your day-to-day activities. Um, I think that it's really important because if you're like, say you're just like a couch potato and you're just not that active of a person, but then you have like this herding dog, you know, that just loves to work and loves to run and wants to be stimulated and wants to play. And you're like, ah, you know, you just don't, you're just not able to give that to them. They could become, you know, a little bit frustrated, maybe even like destructive. And that's obviously not um, a good scenario. And I think the reverse, if you are super active and you want a dog to run marathons with or go hiking with, and they're just not that tolerant of physical activity, you know, they're not going to be able to, to join in on all those activities with you as much. And I think for me, at least with Bowser, like having him with me all the time and like going out into the city with him, um, exploring New York, like those are bonding moments. And I think when you can do, when you can share your life with your dog, you know, you have a best friend for life. So, yeah, I love that. So how, how yeah. did you decide to get a Brussels Griffon and end up getting Bowser? So I just, like I said, I was at that event. I was actually at the bulldog table and it was an alphabetical order and I see out of the <laughs> corner of my eye. So I had only made it like obviously a couple rows in, <laughs> in the bees and I've already like, you know, have my heart set on something, but I see out of the corner of my eye, these like funny little monkey dogs with these giant beards and these big eyes. And I was like, what is that? I have to go over and say hi to them. You just like their look captured me first. But then when I walked over, they were like playing with each other and they're like kind of spunky and like they would be super friendly. But when somebody would come over, they'd like say hi to you. And then they like turn around at their owner and be like, is it okay? It's okay. Hi. Like, you know, and I just, I loved that. Um, I thought their personalities were just so special. Um, And then from there, when we were talking to the breeder and we're saying, you know, we live in an apartment, so it needs to be, you know, a relative, we wanted a relatively small dog. We wanted something that was allergy friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually, I'm not allergic to dogs, but I have a lot of really close family that is. So for me, it's important to have a dog where um, if they come over and they visit, you know, they're not having a problem, but, um, but yeah, they're allergy friendly because they have hair and, um, they're just like these fun little dogs. I just, I don't know what it is. It's just something like really spoke to me. So from there I was like, all right, sold, done. Like I'm, I'm ready. They're That's cool. awesome. Yeah. We know yeah. a couple, um, Brussels, do you call them Brussels for short? 
Yeah, Brussels. Yeah. I mean, I call them monkey, but you know. We have a couple of monkey <laughs> friends then yeah. at the dog park. Um, and they're they're really fun little dogs. They, they they look smaller than Bowser. Maybe they're some kind of mix or maybe they're just smaller. You but know, he's actually a little big for his breed. Yeah. I think the standard calls for something between like 8 and 12 pounds, and he's a little bit over that. So okay. he's on the bigger side. But yeah, you'll see them like kind of from little to – There's a know. little bit of a range. But yeah, they, yeah. they just – they run around, and they're so loyal to their owner – and um, the two that we know, they just love their owner so much. So, And they have no idea that they're 10 pounds. They think they're like 150 pounds. Oh, yes. They yeah. like walk around with their head held high. They think they're like, you know, the king of the castle. Um, <laughs> Bowser will like run in. We, he like, we had this situation where, um, not a situation. It was just funny. We went to the dog park and we were living in Manhattan at the time. So we were at Madison square dog park and he always gets excited to go to the park. He's like ready to go. So we get there and there are these two like German shepherd style dogs, like playing and not aggressively, but like rough, you know, they're like jumping and like right. being vocal. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta get over there. And he like runs like right at them, like stops, like two and a half feet away from them, just like barking the whole time. Like, Hey, break it up, break it up, break it up. <laughs> We're like, dude, like not your fight. Like let's let them play. Like, come back over here. He has no idea what size he is. He's like, mom, I can take them. Up. I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I got this. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, um, so Bowser is with you. You work from home, right? Yes. Yes. And so he's with you pretty much all day. Yeah. And you guys, he's do- actually, his bed is like right here. He's sleeping right now, but so if you're listening to the podcast, there's also a YouTube version of every episode on the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. So if you go to the Wear, Wag, Repeat channel on YouTube, you can see Bowser and Marilyn <laughs> <laughs> live in the flesh. And Hello. he's so cute. He has like a little beard. Yep. Little monkey face. He's so cute. So what are your, some of your favorite places to go to together? So New York is great. Actually, I think Mila might have said this already on your earlier podcast, but um, really like a very dog friendly city. And I think it's because anywhere with like outdoor seating is automatically dog friendly. Right. Um, And we have like tons of sidewalk cafes and open air things. So you can take them anywhere. But I um, I got to rep Queens for a second because that's where I live. (laughs) I'm in Long Island City. So we're on the very, very like western and south side of Queens. We're like literally just across the river from Manhattan. And we have this awesome dog park that is on the river and it's all the way in the south by the ferry landing. So you see the boats coming in and out and um, you have like the whole skyline of Manhattan like right there. So it's just a nice place to sit. And then they have this little like man-made creek that runs through the park. So like the dogs can kind of like splash around in it when it's hot. So Bowser loves that. He like loves the water (laughs) like splashing around. So I love taking him there. And then um, from there, there's a bridge into Brooklyn. And like, so we'll walk over the bridge and there's this little bar in Greenpoint, like the very first neighborhood mm-hmm. called Browrish. And um, it's like more of a beer grocery store. But what's cool about it is you can actually bring your dog inside. Um, so you can actually just like have them there and you like have a couple of beers or um, try something new. Like they have a lot of stuff rotating from like the New York city breweries. So you can always like go there and try something new. And it's just like a fun place to sit with your dog. So that's so fun. I love going yeah. to dog friendly bars and things like that. Totally. Totally. We have a lot of them here. So awesome. Yeah. Lucy and I, we need to make a trip to New York because I've totally. talked to a few people for the show that are in New York and I have 
a growing list of places to go. To. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure everyone's like, here's my favorite spot. And you're going to have like a whole exactly like, map to do. Yeah, right. we'll have to organize like a wear, wag, repeat tour. <laughs> Love that. For sure. For sure. Um, So since you have a background in fashion and I love fashion, I want to ask you for some tips on looking fashionable while you're walking the dog. Because if you go to the dog park and then you're like end up at a bar, you don't want to be in your dog park clothes. Totally. And I've done that so many times. It's uh, it's (laughs) it's almost like rare for me to not be in dog walking clothes, I think. But you probably have cute dog walking clothes. So what's some advice and and where do you shop for that? Well, I wear, I mean, I think I got, I used to be at Bloomingdale's, so I'm like pretty loyal to them. Um, and they're pretty easy for me to get to from Queens. Next thing, obviously you want to be comfortable. I love sneakers. Like I have a whole sneaker collection. Um, I like, you know, like kind of the fashiony ones, like my little like Nike Cortez sneakers. I wear a lot now and, um, I have like fun leggings with different details, like either like leather strips or kind of like moto details. And, um, I think that's important because like, especially with Bowser at the park, like I want to like run and play around and be able to move with him. I think I end up trending more towards the athleisure side of things, um, which is a trend. So it helps you know, I can still look cute and kind of play it off when I get, when I get to where I'm going with my friends. Right. Exactly. Um, And plus like working from home, you don't have to dress up for work every day. So (laughs) if you just wear some cute leggings, um, and, and and some sneakers and stuff, you guys can go from working to walking in two minutes. Absolutely. Totally. The one thing that I, I've been trying to cut back on, but it's like so hard. They're not even a little bit fashionable. What they're so comfortable are my Uggs. Like, <laughs> I just love them, especially when it's cold and it's icy outside. I'm like, it's pretty easy to wear them, but I try not to wear those out. Those are like strictly dog walking shoes. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've already met Bowser and learned a lot about um, what makes him so amazing, but I'm asking everyone what kind of personality quirk they share with their dog. So what do you guys have in common? Um, Bowser is a terrier. So he has um, kind of like a funny little headstrong streak, um, which I can have sometimes. But I think more than anything, like he's very persistent, I would say. And I think I can be very persistent, which is good when you're starting a business to kind of like, even at the point of being annoying with like people that are helping you with things, um, just to make sure that, that things are getting done when it's all on you. But Bowser is, oh, he's like, to explain his persistence to you, he has these like tiny tennis balls that he plays with. Um, I have one right now for our YouTube viewers. They're like <laughs> little Kong dog tennis balls and he loves them. And there's like 13 of them in rotation at any given time. And what he likes to do is hold one in his mouth and kick the other one, like a little soccer ball. Um, and you know, he's actually decent at it, but he's a dog so obviously not great his aim's a little (laughs) off sometimes and he'll like frequently kick them under the couch or behind the tv or like just everywhere in the apartment and one time and he'll sit there and and once he does it he'll sit there right where he lost it and he will bark at you and like whine and just until you come over and get that ball no matter if there's like eight others right around him he wants that one that he lost and he will do it and do it and do it till you come get them and one time he um, like lost one deep into the couch and he like for for like a whole afternoon was like digging and digging and barking and I'm like feeling around. I'm like, there's nothing there. Like, I don't know what, what it is, but like, let it go. And for two whole days, he's digging at the couch. Like 
he didn't break anything or rip anything, but he's just whining and barking and digging. And like, I was sitting there at the, like 48 hours later, just, I like reached my hand all the way down. And I was like, Oh, it was there like is a ball here. deep in the center <laughs> yeah. of the earth of the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and I pull it out and Bowser's just like, okay, great. Thanks. Bye. You know? <laughs> Very persistent. So you use that persistence also in yes. making your website happen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Getting people to help me with things, you know, I think it's important to be persistent, not give up. And obviously when you have setbacks and there are always setbacks starting a business, you have to just kind of like pick yourself up and, and keep moving. So I love that. That's a great little tennis ball analogy for yeah. business. I, yeah. I think that everyone who I've talked to for this show is just, it's amazing to see how inspired we all are by our dogs and, and how it sort of works there. They work their way into our lives. Absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today, thank Marilyn. Um, yeah. Tell everyone the name of your website and how they can find it. So the website is called Paw Pointer, P-A-W, like a dog's paw. Pointer, um, pawpointer.com. I'm on Instagram at pawpointerpups. Um, I'm on Facebook at Facebook slash pawpointer. Um, we have a Twitter. We haven't used it as much yet, but we will look to kind of get that going soon. Um, but yeah, come find me. And if you have any questions about your dog search, um, want to get in touch with me, any of the contact us features on the website, also just send an email directly to me. So you can find me there. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much again. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes for this episode at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, Lucy and I will see you around the dog park. <laughs>